You're listening to a message brought to you by Christian Life Church Ross on Y. To find out more about us, go to www.clch.cc. I'm not, I'm not sure about you, but I felt today things seem to be very connected in ways. <clears throat> okay, let me give you the background. Last week, um, Carrie said to Andrew that, have you asked Kanuta that we'll be preaching on Sunday? And he said, oh, I forgot. Kanuta, you, can, are you able to preach on Sunday? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then he said, he said, I've got some material to send it to you, but you can preach whatever you, you feel like you want to preach. So, okay, whatever God has put in your heart. And he hasn't sent me the material that I was supposed to preach. <laughs> which is, which is <clears throat> but during the week I've been praying and seeking God about what I'm going to share. And, and, uh, and I, felt, I felt, today I'm going to preach from one verse. I'll be talking about different parts of the, of the Bible, but I want to concentrate on just one verse. And the verse is 2 Corinthians, can you put it up? Yeah, 13, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of, of the of Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, we started worship, so people prayed, and every time they pray things, I feel like, oh, that's what I'm going to preach about, you know. And, and, and I felt like in awe, and what Barbara had prayed, and, and I thought, anyway, <clears throat> I don't want to big you up. And then I preached, oh, there's nothing in there. Uh, that's not, a, but, but to me, I feel like God is kind of speaking amongst us. He's speaking, he says something, and it's upon us to hear what God is saying. The Bible says, hear what the Spirit is saying. So, that my verse is 2 Corinthians I, I know, I know, I know. I don't need to preach anything. It's just, yeah. Second, now, some of us, if you come from some traditional churches, they say this after the service, the benediction. And the priest or the preacher or the pastor would say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, to me... I need to give you a context. That's the last verse of that book. So, Paul had written, oh, I don't want to be, uh, yeah, Paul had written two letters to the church in Corinth. He wrote, he wrote the first, I mean, some theologians, there may be more than two surviving scriptures, but anyway. But he wrote the first Corinthians to the church in Corinth, and he wrote the second Corinthians, and you know, he's talking about love about the gift of the Holy Spirit, about he was dealing with different issues within the church. And at the final verse, he is praying to them. He's saying, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And to me, I thought, that's powerful because we all know, you've heard, I know some people know more than me here, but... There are some famous last words, you know, somebody, this is what, this is what, I don't know, Mandela said before he died, or oh, this is what, but the last word carries a lot of weight. So for the church in Corinth, to me, that last word carries a lot of weight. And um, so I'm going to look at that, 
today and unpick some few things and then we're going to finish. One of interesting things, this is among the few verses in the Bible where you can see the, the working of the Trinity together. You know, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are some other verses, but this is one of them. I mean, there's no word Trinity in the Bible, but when they, we explain the doctrine of Trinity, that's one of the verses that shows that the unity in the Godhead. There are three persons in the Godhead. Now, some people have, in their theology, they would say, oh, God the Father was working in the Old Testament, and God the Son came, you know, during the, Jesus' earthly ministry, and then God the Holy Spirit is working now. But I don't think that's fair when you read the scripture. When you read the scripture, you see both God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they are working together all the time. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the spirit, and the darkness on the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So you can see that even during creation, both God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were there. Just to prove that, if you go down to um, uh, Genesis chapter 2, during the creation of man, it says that God said, let us make man in our own image, according to our own likeness. Let them have dominion over the flesh, of the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and all the, all the earth and everything that creeps, creeping thing on the, on the face of the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. So the Godhead has always, God the Father, God the Son has always been, I'm building up something here, you can see. Yeah, what I want to say is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have always worked together. There was another verse in John chapter 5, verse 16, and Jesus said, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. So even during Jesus' earthly ministry, he acknowledged that the father was working uh, in, in the world. Now, coming back to our verse today, I need to look at those, what does it mean to say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? What does it mean about the love of God? And what does it mean of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? It says in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own works that anyone should boast. So it shows that grace, in order to be saved, we need the grace of God. Now, for a lot of people, that's where we've left out. You know, the grace of God is only operative is only available when we want salvation. But I want to show you that the grace of God is throughout the life of a Christian. Every Christian has the working of the grace of God all their lives. It says that um, um, in, in, in another verse, oh, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Paul is saying, he was talking about something else, but he said, I am who I am, by the grace of God. That means even when he was doing the work of God, going and evangelizing and preaching different places, 
He was relying upon the grace of God. Now, the grace of God is, 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 is translate. People say, what is the grace of God? It's, it's an unmerited favor. It's a gift from God. I mean, that's true. In Greek, it's, it's called charis. You know, charis is grace. It, when it's a, the word grace there, in Greek, it says charis, you know, kurio, you know, you know, I don't know. So, but I think sometimes there's another meaning underneath it. It's, it, it empowers us. The grace of God is not just a favor with God. It's a gift that empowers us, you know, that it's a working of, of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Now, in, in the, if you book, read the book of Romans, when it's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, you know, different gifts of, in Greek it says charismata. It comes from the same word, charis, but, and now people have called it the, the, the gifts of grace, you know, it's the Holy Spirit. So what I want to, to, to drive down today is the grace of God is working in our lives all through our lives, not just for salvation, but even day-to-day living. It says in Titus that, now, okay, before I say that, I need to quantify this. Nowadays, there's, I don't know if you've heard something called hyper, hyper grace, you know, this. There are some preachers, they emph- the way they emphasize grace, it's like a license to live however you want. But that's not what the Bible is talking about, grace. It says in Titus that, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. But the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us, to de- teaching us that okay, they, I'm sorry, I'm, King, I'm reading from New King James here. Uh, teaching us that deny, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should be living soberly, righteous, and godly in the present life. In other words, the grace of God is teaching us to say no to sin and a yes to righteousness. So it's not like we've got the grace of God, then we can live however we want. No, the grace of God, it empowers us to say no to sin and a yes to righteousness. When I became a Christian, I was thinking about this. When, how long ago? It's about 34 years ago. I became a Christian because my mother became a Christian. And she always told these stories about where, what Jesus is doing in their church and stuff like that. And at that time, I was a student. So every time I come home, she tells me a story. And then one time, I decided to give my life to Jesus. So I told my mom that I think I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. So we were there in the sitting room. I knelt down, and she prayed with me. And when she prayed for me, and I gave my life to Jesus, when two things happened. When I opened my eyes, I felt like the world looks totally different. You know, the colors are so vibrant and everything. I thought, this is very strange. Now, the other thing which is connected to the, the grace of God as empowering us to say no to sin. Up until then, I used to smoke a lot. I was smoking, and my granddad was smoking a lot. And, you know, and, and my smoking was, was, to me, it was a stronghold. It's something that I could not stop by my own. And always, when I'm upset or I'm stressed out, I'd get a fag and, you know, feel like, yeah. But when my mom prayed, 
She didn't pray about smoking. She just prayed for me to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The urge, the desire for smoking went completely. Now, I mean, I know that, I need to be careful here. I know that some people with kind of smoking and they're struggling with smoking, things like that. But, but God is working, his grace is working in our lives in different ways, you know. So I don't want to say if you're struggling with smoke that you're not a Christian, whatever. No. But I'm saying sometimes when the grace of God comes in our lives, it releases, breaks these um, strongholds of sin, and then we are free. Now, for me, when, when, I became a, when I became a Christian, I didn't go to church because I was going to college, and I was going to another place. I went to this place where I didn't know anyone, so I went and I said, oh, I'm a Christian, where is the Bible, the church, and, and that's where I grew. So it's not like I, I went to church and they told me, you have to stop smoking, Kanuti, if you want to be a Christian. No, it's just the working of the grace of God kind of break that desire for me to rely all that stronghold on me, and it set me free. So what I'm saying is, the grace of God is the one, there's the power, of, it's a gift of God, but it also has power behind it, which sometimes we we kind of miss in the meaning. It tells us to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. And talking about the love of God, um, I'm not going to talk a lot about the love of God because, now, strangely, people have said today, you know, they prayed, they said the love of God, you shared a bit about your, um, the dream you had. So, the love of God, it says in Romans 8 that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Not even life itself or even death. So the love of God is important in our lives. And Paul is praying for the church in Corinth that we should be having this love of God in all our lives. The bit that I'm going to dwell a bit more is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So what does this mean to say to fellowship with the Holy Spirit? In the, in, the, in, the, in the Greek, the word, the word fellowship is koinonia. I don't know if you've heard this word. Now, it has two kind of, from this verse, there are kind of two meanings, you know. In the sense, the, the first meaning is, it says that in the book of Acts that they had everything in common. And that's the word it used. They had koinonia. They shared all they have. So the first meaning is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that every Christian we share the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter whether you're saved yesterday, a decade ago, or half a century ago. Each and every one of us is born of the Spirit. Each and every one of us has the Spirit of God in us. God, we are all the children of God. It says in Galatians 4 that because you are sons and God has sent forth his Spirit through his Son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. I mean, this is another verse where you can hear the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, is the Holy Spirit is telling us, speaking to our spirit, that we are the children of God. Now, <clears throat> God does not have grandchildren because sometimes we tend to depend on other people, you know, depending on the pastor or depending on this church leader. But we all have access. We are all children of God. We have the same rights. As it says in the Bible, those who became, they were given rights to become children of God. Each and every one of us has the right to have, to be the child of God. 
Now, the second meaning of the, the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is more personal, is us having the relationship with the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, it, it's like having communion. And when uh, Gavin shared his, the, the, the picture he had today of being on the table with the king, that is communion, that's sharing, that's fellowship, that we sit together with God. Now, <clears throat> Jesus, before he went to heaven, he said, I will send you another helper. And when he comes, he'll abide with you, and uh, you will receive him. The world will not receive him because they don't know him, but you know him, and he will dwell with you, and he will be with you forever. So the Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is not a force. Holy Spirit is not, I know the Bible used the imagery like the dove, but Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is a person. And because he's a person, then it, we can have fellowship with God. We can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek word for when Jesus said, I will, I'm talking about a lot of Greeks today. <laughs> yeah. When Jesus said, I'll send another helper, the Greek word is parakletos. Para means to go, you know, parallel, parallel line. They go alongside. So parakletos, kletos means help. So when we say that Jesus said, I'll send you another helper, the disciples understood that somebody like Jesus. So Holy Spirit is like Jesus. He is the Godhead. He is the, the, the person in the Godhead. So Holy Spirit, we can say that is sent, so is sent to us so that he can walk together with us in our day to day. In other parts of the Bible say, keeping in step of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit takes a step and you take a step. Holy Spirit leads you this way, you, it leads you that way. As I said, I'm going to be quick. Um, now, how can we have this fellowship with the Holy Spirit? And I've jotted two, three things here. One is to allow Holy Spirit to teach us. It says in John 16, Jesus said, I have so many things to say to you, telling his disciples, but you cannot bear them. However, I'll send the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he is not speaking on his own authority, but whatever he hears, I speak, he'll speak to you, and he'll tell you of the things to come. He will glorify me, and he'll take off what is mine, and he declare to you. So the one thing that we can have the fellowship with the Holy Spirit is to allow Holy Spirit to teach us. There's a lot of things that, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, God will always guide you through, give you new revelation, giving you new teaching. And one example I want to use is, I have some friends, some of this, I mean, this is in Africa. These friends of mine, they became Christian after I became a Christian. And then, when they became Christian, they struggled with the point of being baptized, the baptism of, you know, be of immersion. Because in their mind, they said, oh, we were baptized when we were little. It doesn't matter. And uh, for me, I wasn't pressing them to do anything. I just left that. And then... I kept praying for them, and when I say praying for them, it wasn't like I was praying for them every day, you know, just 
And then it went on, I don't know, maybe a year or so. They all came at different times. They said, oh, can we, do we want to be baptized? And they went and be baptized. And to me, I could see that this is the Holy Spirit was teaching them the significance and of the, the baptismal after being a believer. And they, they did, did that on their own accord. So one of the things that we can have the fellowship with the Holy Spirit is to allow Holy Spirit to teach us, to be teachable. He, the Bible says that he was sent in order to teach us all things. If they are, and this is where, as I caveated, we are at different walks in life. We don't have to judge one another. Oh, that person is doing this, shouldn't be doing that. No, because the Holy Spirit will teach that person, say, you need to do this, you need to do that. We can't force people, because if you force people, they'll be doing it because you've asked them to do. So that's one. The other thing is <clears throat> obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit speaks to us in different ways. You've heard people say they refer to dreams or a picture or an impression or whatever. So by obeying those, then you, have, you become having this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And the example to me is if you and I were to walk together and uh, we don't talk, we don't, you don't listen to my instruction or you don't, there's no fellowship there. And it's some. I'm afraid sometimes some marriages have reached that stage. People share a house or because of the mortgage they're together or because of the children they're together, but there's no fellowship. But if we are obeying those promptings of the Holy Spirit, what Holy Spirit is saying, then we develop the ear to hear what Holy Spirit is saying in our lives. In that way, we build that fellowship. Uh, when, I was, when, I was, when I was little, I used to go to my grandparents and my grandparents, they kept herds of cattle. And so we would go grazing. And when we come back, you can hear the cows mooing. And the calf, they move back. And I'm thinking, how do they know that's the voice of their mother? You know? But they know that that's the calf because they are related. That's the mother, the cow, and the, the calf they can hear. And because we are the children of God, we also, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of stranger they do not hear. Now, that's not by default, but I think we need to develop that is by obeying the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is saying to us, then you just go and do it. Next time it becomes more clear. I mean, I've said many times to some of the people that sometimes to me, I discover that was the voice of the Holy Spirit once I've missed it. And I thought, oh, so that was God was saying to me at the time. But I think if I obey more and more, it becomes clear to me that's Holy Spirit saying to me. And building on this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And, and the last thing is yeah. When I say obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit, as I said, whether it may be by dream or by impression or God highlight a verse or highlight, remind you something. It seems to me more passive, you know, you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to do that. But I think the third point which I want to talk about is seeking his guidance. Because there are times whereas we don't know what to do, but we need to know what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So but we can we can build this fellowship by seeking his guidance. The Spirit of God knows all things. And because the Holy Spirit knows all things or understands all things, 
then it's important for us to seek his knowledge, to seek what he's saying in different situations. There are some decisions you, I know people are talking about packing, you know. You've heard this, everybody's saying, oh, I asked the Holy Spirit about packing and they got to pack. Anyway, but there are some decisions in our lives, they are not written in the Bible, you know. We need to make those decisions. But those decisions, they'll be more, it serves us a lot of hassle if we involve the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, maybe I want looking for a partner, or I need to do this, or I need to be a preacher, whatever. By seeking the Holy Spirit, it makes, it saves us a lot of hassles. I mean, one of the images that comes to mind, you remember the days before we had sat now, you know, sit somebody there, you're going to a place you think you've been there before, you vaguely remember, and you're driving and said, you feel like you're lost, but you don't know what to do. You say, can we ask the locals? They say, ah, oh, don't ask them, I know where it is. And you go around and round and round, and in the end, you get lost. And then you ask the local, excuse me, where is such and such a place? And they say, oh, it's just around the corner. It's because the locals know the place better than you do. So the same is our Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit know all things. So there are decisions in our lives. It uh, to help us a lot if we involve the Holy Spirit. We ask the Holy Spirit, how do, why am I, or what am I supposed to do in this situation? Um, yeah. Can I talk about the story about we prayed miracle last week or, or not? Yeah, but, but <clears throat> now Lynette, Lynette impressed me beyond measure. To be honest, I was talking to my wife. Lynette impresses Lynette, Lynette has gone through a lot of things, and she sits there and leading us to God. You don't know what she's going through. You know, she's never told a lot of people about this. She sits there and saying, "This God is good. This God is good," and we stand and jump and jump, and and I thought. What a strong woman of God. <clears throat> so, last week, is it last week? I can't remember. There was a situation that Lynette had called some of us to go and pray with her. So, we went to pray. Is it last week? Yeah. So, we went to pray. When we prayed, some of the people said during that prayer that, you know, don't worry because the Bible says that God, Holy Spirit himself, will give us what to say. This situation involved Lynette standing in front of other people, judges, and you know, and, and it had, it had, and whatever the decision would have an impact on her career, you know. And this person, so some people we prayed about that. And then Lynette came back and said, oh, I can't believe God has answered a prayer, you know. The answer is exactly what we want. And I thought, this is the working with the Holy Spirit, that sometimes, we have to involve the Holy Spirit in the, in the guidance. So what, why do I say to these people? You know, what do I say in this situation? Do you want me to answer anything or to keep quiet or whatever? But I don't know the details. She just texted me, said, give glory that, you know, I've been crying all day with Martin because God has answered, like, yeah. But, but what I want to say is it's important us as Christians to have this fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God. It's not a force. Because he's God, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, you grieve by Holy Spirit by not following the promptings. Holy Spirit say, do this and ah. You grieve, you say, 
my child, I know the best way for you. I know the future for you. It's better if you went this way instead of, as I said, the example of not asking the local. You drive round and round and round and round until you've wasted your time. You've sometimes maybe wasted your, lost your temper as well. But if we have the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it will save us a lot of hassle and we'll be victorious as Christians. Amen.